You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio, Rainbow Soul, iTunes, wherever you're tuning in to Off the Shelf. I just want to say a, a, a hearty, warm, good Saturday morning to you, and thank you for joining us. Before I go on into the show, I just want to leave this thought with you, and it's from Ad Man, Ad Mandino. Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. And yes, my friend, if whether you are one of our loyal listeners who's been with us for 15 years or this is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, you are absolutely learning, listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. And again, I welcome you. We got, what, one more Saturday? One more Saturday in February? Remember those goals you made at the beginning of the year? Just keep reminding yourself, am I on track? Am I on track? If you're getting off track, that's no worries. Still time to take a U-turn or to pause and think about what it is you really want to do. But we want to welcome you to this Saturday, February 22nd, 2020 show. A lot of twos this year, you guys. Thank you again for joining us. We have an a wonderful author on deck for you this morning and excited to in, introduce you to him. But before I do that, off-the-shelf listeners, I have to ask you, do you love mystery? I mean, I do. Are you a good mystery sleuth? Are you are you a very good detective? Or would you have made a great detective? Could you figure out? All you need is a few clues. You can figure out just who did it, no matter how they try to hide what they did. If you if you like mystery and you got a detective in you, I highly encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me right now. But that's not all. If you also value relationships, there is a, a a romantic soulmate relationship, but it is very complicated. And it may be complicated because of how the star of the book, Love Pour Over Me, Raymond Clark, he grew up with a very complicated relationship with his father who had untreated alcoholism. But his father also loved him. And we know we see these two sides of ourselves playing out until we make one final, final choice about which way we are going to go. And then there's these, there are these four friends, and it is their friendship and what they go through. And one of them is going on to the Olympics. One is on his way to the NFL. They come from different countries, and they're going to school at a university in Philadelphia. That's where they meet up. That's where the murder mystery kicks off. Is one of the guys involved in a murder mystery, and what's going to happen to Raymond and Brenda? You're going to get. You're going to get what you love from if you from the '80s, the music, the fashion the history, and even if you're not from there, reading this book will teach you a lot about Philadelphia, the 1980s, and there's some other places also included in. Love Pour Over Me. Go get yourself an e-book or a print copy today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. 
And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Elliot Robertson. Elliot is a certified happiness workshop leader. You know, we had somebody on last week, but it was with finances. You get these, these certified, certified. This is a new one, so we're going to definitely ask him about this one. He is a certified happiness workshop leader. His works have appeared in the Daily Word, Science of Mind, and Miracles magazine. Elliot has a master's degree in psychology, this in addition to Certified Happiness Workshop Leader. And he is the author of the book, Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. And you can discover more about Elliot Robertson at ElliotRobertsonCoach.com, and I'll spell it, and it's E L L I O. T T R O B E R T S O N C O A C H dot com. So his name is again Elliot Robertson E L L I O T T R O B E R T S O N C O A C H dot com. Elliot Robertson Coach dot com. And of course, you can learn more about him by continuing to listen to this off the shelf interview. We are honored to have Elliot join us on Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Elliot. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a privilege to be here, and I really enjoyed what you were saying about that book. Was it was it called Love Pour Over Me? Yes, Love Pour Over Me. I have to get the book because I live in Philadelphia. Oh, my goodness. You, oh, my goodness, in Philadelphia. Years ago, I was up there. What a, And it's it's close to so many different things. It's not far from New York. You're close to Princeton, Baltimore, Washington, right. D.C. There's just so much nearby. That helps to kick off the, the first question, actually, because the first few questions I ask every guest, 15 years ago when I started off the shelf, I just went right into the questions, and the guests sent me emails saying, can you – Give us a little backstory on the guest before you go right into the questions. So I added these first few questions that I ask every guest or similar questions. So to kick it off, Elliot, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Yeah, I lived uh, in New York City originally as a kid, and then I um, was also in New York City as a young adult. And then I moved to Philadelphia within the last 10 or 20 years. Um, and what was life like? Well, you know, in my youth, uh, when I was in my twenties, I found myself to be miserable all the time. I was, I had this really low paying entry level job, one entry level job after another, I kept getting fired. Um, I just really didn't have much confidence in myself. So I really didn't think I would be able to do anything except for the entry level work. And, um, I would walk around New York City and I would just see people sitting at outdoor cafes, having a wonderful time at cafes I couldn't afford, and I would get jealous and I would be just full of bitterness all the time. Wherever I went, there was something that I got jealous about, and I didn't really notice it that much. You know, looking back, it's definitely prominently um right there in my face. But um anyway, that's just sort of how life was for me 24/7 when I was in my younger years. It, I was just full of misery. Really? Are you are you um so a few other questions then. Are you an only child? What, what, why do you think um why do you I mean, were you only child did you have other other siblings to compare your experiences that you were having with and I think this is one of the be- blessings of growing up with a other siblings or 
close friends, you can compare your perceptions. You might not even know that's what you're doing. You see somebody else go through the same experience you did, and they're not taking it so hard. It could be a, being told to sit in the corner or you get a spanking or you get something taken away, and all you and your siblings or friends went through something similar. And you see they're not taking it so hard, so maybe I shouldn't take it so hard. I'm just curious, did you did – you, what, why do you think you did so young? That's some people think generally you're the happiest that you did feel like something just wasn't right. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I appreciate it. And um, I haven't really given it that much thought. So I'll have to think about that for a few days, you know, about what the roots of my unhappiness were. But a lot of it was um, just that I was uh, in a you know, doing a lot of blaming. In addition to being jealous, I was sort of feeling like life was unfair, and I just wasn't getting – life wasn't the way I wanted it to be. And my reaction to that was um, getting – arguing with God and getting upset at life and feeling really bitter. That's just the way it was for me back then. Maybe so, a lot of people do have a younger, uh, happier time in, in their youth, and maybe I sort of am a little bit backwards from them. <laughs> We're, we all have our different paths. But I certainly have been having a lot of joy in my life lately. Um, I just wake up with gratitude and joy all the time. Wow, what a story. You know, in, in a way, and this reminds me of, I read the the book, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. He said he dealt with, like, I don't think 30-some years or something of depression. Uh, there's another, Morty Lafco, uh he has a um, a program. He's he's crossed over, but he has a, his wife still keeps the program going. He said he struggled 30 years with depression. Sometimes it's, it's that never giving up, that never quitting, that, that quote at the beginning of Off the Shelf, the determination to keep going to get to, like, those other those other sides, and there are people like you know, I say Eckhart Tolle, Morty Lafco, yourself. There are so many that got to the other side. They kept working, and what they learned, they're helping thousands and thousands of other people with. So, before we again go into your work today, as a child, Elliot or a kid, what did you what did you dream of being when you grew up? What did you want to be when you grew up? You know what um, I. The first memory I have of being asked that question was, I must have been about seven or eight, and it was somebody who was just, um, I was living in New York City back then, and somebody I barely knew who lived in the building asked me, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And immediately I said, I want to be a writer. <laughs> I hadn't really been wow. doing any writing at that age, you know. I didn't really know for sure if, if I was oh a goodness. good writer or not. <laughs> But I just knew it. I just knew it. I guess I'm a natural writer. I guess I was born with that gift. So how old were you? I'm just curious. Oh, oh now I'm um, when they, when, now I'm 56. How, so how old were you when when you knew? How old were you when you knew you wanted to be a writer? Yeah, I think it must have been when I was seven or eight. Well, you were young. Yeah, I, I think that's about how old I was. I, I mean, uh, I have a memory of it, and I'm pretty sure I was about seven or eight, yeah. Did you read a lot, and I'm curious, did you read a lot of books? What attracted you to writing at that early? I, I really, I, I've never been a fast reader or a really good reader, and I think I might have dyslexia. And I hadn't done a lot of writing, of course. I mean, what eight-year-old goes around writing all the time? <laughs> so um, it was just, I guess, 
what came out of my mouth, just a knowing. You know, and then the other answer to that question um, is really a story about when I was 18 years old. And at that point, um, I was just listening to a couple of young ladies talk about what they wanted to do. And they were just saying, you know, I really want to heal the world. And the other one said, the other lady said, yeah, I want to heal the world too. And when I heard that, I immediately, just like a flash of lightning, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I knew in the same moment, I knew I want to uplift the world. I just got it right then in that moment that for me, for my personality or my soul mission or whatever, it was all about lifting people up on a soul level. Interesting, and that you knew it so early. So this kind of maybe answers the next question I was going to ask ask you. What attracted you to psychology? Yeah, back then, before I really knew much about psychology, I was just interested in people and um, think, I was thinking that I could be a good counselor maybe or something like that. I did get a degree in psychology and then I never really used it or anything. Uh, in fact, after I got my master's in psychology, I began to become a little bit less interested in it and more interested in spirituality. And I began to notice that psychology isn't spiritual enough for me. Interesting. Oh my God. <laughs> Interesting. So you went and got a master's degree, and you're one of many who gets a, a degree, the time commitment, the financial commitment, and then you discover this isn't even what I really want to do. We do it with our relationships. We go into relationships and invest a lot. Ah, this isn't really what I want to be. But it's good that when you discovered it wasn't what you really wanted to be, that you pivoted and went in a different direction. Um, I so you never practiced in psychology because I was going to ask you some questions. That's right. Uh, I, I have no experience as a psychologist or anything like that or a counselor or anything. And also way back then, after I got my master's, I was thinking that I really didn't have much competency. I, I was thinking there's no way I'm going to be able to get a Ph.D. There's no way I'm going to be able to know what to say if I'm meeting with somebody. Even though I had gotten the training, I guess I had much more confidence in myself as a student, as somebody who could read and sort of learn things and maybe get decent grades or whatever than I did in terms of being out there in the work world and having to relate to people and stuff like that. I had a lot of low self-esteem and unconfidence back then. So the work you do today, do you work with individuals or groups today to help them live their best life? Do you do that? Uh, do yes. you, I'm a happiness so coach. I'm a happiness coach, so I have private clients. I also have a gift, I think, for designing workshops. I love to create my own exercises uh, that will help people uh, have insights, and then from there they can move on to greater inner harmony and greater happiness. So here's a question for you then. When you work with uh, – first of all, I want to ask you, what is a certified – what is a certified happiness coach, and what does a, what is a certified happiness workshop leader, and what does a happiness workshop shop leader do? Yeah, you know, it's um, I guess my 
the people who gave you pages about me, my bio has a typo in it. It's really a certified happy for no reason coach. That's really specifically what I am. So it's also, I guess, a certified happiness uh, leader. But it's a, it's a certified happy for no reason workshop leader. That's what the certification is for. And um, Marcy Shimoff wrote a book about 10 years ago. It became a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list. And I read the book way back when, when it was new. And it's called Happy for No Reason. And after she wrote the book, she ended up also developing a workshop based on the book because the book has a lot of um, stories about people that you can tell to the people, uh, the participants in the workshop. And it also has a lot of exercises. So you can just have people working in pairs or small groups doing the exercises in the book. So she's developed the workshop, uh, that workshop. I've developed other ones. And um, I'm certified. She, she's the one, Marcy Shimoff. I'm so privileged to, to have been working with her. She was my mentor, and she gave me the certification to teach her workshops. I don't have any lined up right now, but um, that's one of my qualifications. <laughs> Oh, awesome, awesome. So from the people that who you have worked with in your own personal experience, what are the top three things that you have learned yourself? And we, we want to talk about your book later because you may share some of these lessons in your book. But what are the top three things that you have worked, learned from the people you've worked with uh, as a work, workshop, putting together workshops, and as a coach? Yes. Well, what comes to mind first is um, one of the things I learned is that taking ownership of your life is really a very important starting point for spiritual growth, for becoming happier, for developing some inner, cultivating some inner harmony within you. And that was really, um, I was telling telling you about how I was really miserable for quite some time. And that really is the turning point for me. I ended up just taking ownership of where I was. I just, I had a dream ever since I knew I was on this planet to uplift people on a soul level. I did have this dream of working with people in ways that are uplifting. And that was the fuel for uh, for what I wanted. It was just my passion. And at the same time, I wasn't making any progress to the dream. I was uh, towards the dream. I was just um, going around New York City being jealous of everybody. And I was just really not making any progress towards my own happiness, never mind towards being able to serve people and help them to be happy. So at any rate, eventually I realized that if I wanted to uh, pursue my passion and if I wanted to make any progress uh, towards being able to lead workshops and and help people and uplift the world and uplift people, I just realized that I had to get on a new trajectory. I had to own my own, where I was in my life. I had to stop blaming life, stop saying life's unfair, stop blaming God, stop blaming my father or whatever it was I was blaming, and just really take full ownership for where I was and go from there. How How did you make that shift? How did you, because I, I, I mean, I, I used to think it's this or this other force or this other person myself. How did you make that shift? For listeners who are looking to make that shift themselves, how did you make that shift? To go from blaming other people, blaming some, it's like you, you're saying I'm powerless, I have, no, I have nothing to do with my own life. So how did you make the shift from 
or putting the blame for your life or what you don't like about it onto somebody else to saying, let me take control of my life so I can change it. What happened to make you shift? You know what? I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you because I know you're looking for a golden nugget that other people can use. And <laughs> I, I would love to be able to give you a story about that. And at the same time, it's really um, something I don't really have any specific um, story to share or any memory. I'm, I'm just drawing a blank. I'm so sorry. No, 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 and, and that is fine. It, it may have happened step by step by step. Do that you is think... The, that's it. That is exactly the answer because, for me, spiritual growth has always been one baby step after another, and I have just been amazingly um, persistent and tenacious with my um, spiritual growth and development. I have continued day after day, year after year, to be really interested in what can I do to go farther and, and what's next and how can I, uh, I, I and then looking backwards sometimes and acknowledging uh, how far I've come down the path, but always asking the question, and so what's next for me? I want to, there's always room for gro- growth in my book. Do you, before I, I'm going to ask you next about your books, uh, start talking about your book, but before, I have to ask you this for our listeners, and you always wonder when people might stumble over to a show while it's live or in the archives, and something may resonate with them and help them. But do, when we're going through something, and, and I, I can think of somebody that's popped into my mind who's struggling with something, but we often think it's just us. We look out at the world, like you said, feeling jealous of others, and we just tell ourselves everybody else's life is so much better than mine. But that's not the case. Do you think that we all struggle at some point in our physical experience with low self-esteem? And why do you, if so, why do you, what do you think causes this struggle? That's something I've never considered. I've always thought about it as being something that a lot of people do. But does it come to, is it really everybody? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that a lot of people have low self-esteem. And I think that it shows up for people in a lot of different ways. As you know, I had a lot of jealousy going on, and that was really going hand-in-hand hand with bitterness. It was, the jealousy was kind of fueling the bitterness, I guess. Other people uh, end out being very much into having a pity party all the time and self-pity and just going around saying, poor me, poor me. So for them, the energy of jealousy might not be center stage. It might be in the background sometimes. But for some people, uh, self-pity is really the main thing that drags them down and that might be tied to bitterness, just like for me, jealousy was tied to bitterness. There are a lot of different, um, you know, we're all different. And so there are a lot of different ways that low self-esteem and and all of these um, hindrances like jealousy and and, uh, self-pity can get in the way. So the, and so this is something I'm sure you help people with maybe in your book and when you're working one-on-one with them. So what inspired you to write Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within? What inspired me was that I started going to cafes and just writing one paragraph after another. Um, and I just, eventually I discovered, after a few days, I discovered that um, all of my writing over those few days had been about saying yes to God, and then I changed the title later to Say Yes to Life, but originally the book was called Say Yes to God, 
and uh, it, it meaning celebrate your relationship with God, meaning be open to God and the cosmos and spirit and your relationship with spirit and all of that. Um, and saved life, I think, has very much the same meaning. I, I don't really feel like I uh, have changed the uh, have, have changed what the book title means <laughs> by changing those two words. But anyway, it's not like I decided, oh, I want to write a book about saying yes to God or saying yes to life. It was just that um, I have a habit of, in the morning, just going to a cafe and writing. And it used to be poems, and at this moment, it turned into paragraphs instead. And they were all around the same theme. Mm, what was that theme? Got it, was, it, was, it, was, it was all around being uh, saying yes to God and saying yes oh. to life. Wow! Oh my goodness! And you and and you care enough about others of us to share what you learned, and so we appreciate that. Now the intro to your book is very moving. Uh, did you speak with your mother when she pa- when when you passed her on the street? I mean, it was very very moving. Oh, did you, did, you know what? Did you I think on the that... street, did you speak with her? Did she and she didn't recognize you or? That's something that I think everyone. Uh, nearly everyone is confused about because what happens is what happened with the book is that I ended out um, including a lot of fiction in the book and that is one of the things that's fictional so um, I but you know what on the other hand that part of the book is really very truthful Uh, yeah in the introduction I'm writing about how my mother is homeless and she's walking down the street and um, I just see her walking down the street. I haven't seen her for quite some time. And uh, earlier in the introduction, I'm talking about how she doesn't really connect with um, the joy within her. She doesn't really participate fully when we go to church and really uh, get all happy about um, God's benevolence. And that that part of the introduction is right on the nose because even though we never – went to that church together um that was that was the essence of who she tended to be she's somebody who really needed to be uplifted she had some struggles with depression and i'm quite sure that i chose her as my mother to give me an introduction to my life mission to work with people in ways that are uplifting i really think that that helped me get really in touch with my passion for working with people in that way. It's my love for my mother that has really gifted me with my passion. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, now, it's you just think... sort of a story to bring that out, uh, but it is fictional, what, what's going on. <laughs> uh, okay, it's very moving. It's Thank very you. moving, I have to tell you. Now, so you sort of answered this question that you, I was going to ask you, do you think that you'd be sharing happiness lessons and tips with others with conviction conviction not just doing it had you not had your the early childhood experiences that you had do you think that 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 those it is amazing it's amazing when we're going through something and we hate it and we want it to be over with now that if we hadn't gone through it we wouldn't be where we are now do you think if you had had this jovial just awesome peaceful just the way you wanted it, childhood, that you'd be doing the work you're doing? You know, I did have a fairly sheltered childhood, but the one thing that was not so sheltered about it was my very harsh judgments. For years and years, 
maybe starting in my childhood, but certainly in my youth, I have been so harshly judgmental of myself, including my body image um, being so thin. I just was quite confident that I was too thin to qualify for a romantic relationship. That's how deep it went. Wow. So um, and now I'm happy with my body image, and uh, so that's really changed. But in any event, um, to answer your question, I think that um, my mother's problems with depression and uh, her getting happiness all wrong, <laughs> so to speak, uh, really did help me um, get clear about uh, maybe that was a seed for me that planted my seed of passion to really help people in that way. What is expansiveness? It's a new term. What is it? What is? I know what it ex- means to expand. What is expansiveness, especially as it comes to living our best lives? Yes, I love that question, and that is one of the keys: is living in expansiveness uh, in the book. Um, and you know, the easiest way for me to answer that question, uh, at least the starting point of expansiveness, it's the opposite of contraction. For years, I was jealous and I was bitter and I was just going around in a very contracted state. All of Every day, I would just wake up in the morning and I would immediately go dread the day before me, dread the job I had to go to. I never liked my jobs um, and just start immediately contracting. As soon as I would wake up, I would just go into a constricted, contracted state that was certainly not expansive. I think that if we can just let go of the jealousy, the self-pity, the bitterness, and the blame, the shame, the complaining, if we can let go of all of the things that are contracting us and blocking us, then what's left is a much more expanded person, a much more expanded way of meeting the world and greeting the world and greeting the day and walking through the streets and living in the world and breathing the air. So I think that the most important thing to do if you want to be uh, in a state of expansiveness is to really, first and foremost, uh, let go of and just release all of the contractions. What are some so contractions? So, so you say you, let's say I wake up and I used to do this every morning. I woke up angry, and I thought it was just because I wasn't a morning person. And so one day I asked heaven, "What can I do?" And I was told, "Listen to your thoughts." And I didn't think I had thoughts beneath what I was constantly aware of, but I found out I did, and I was literally flipping people apart. Every morning, and I had no idea that I was even doing that. But what are some, like, you, you, might, you might feel, like, angry every morning. You might feel frustrated or you might feel powerless every day, like, oh, my God, I hope I can just get through this day. Some people don't feel they can get through it, so they don't even try. Like, I'm not even going to do anything. I'm just going to sit on the sofa all day because I, I think I'd fail if I tried to do anything else. But what are, what are some causes of that, why would someone think I'm going to fail at, at at whatever I try? So I'm just going to sit here or lay in bed all day. I'm not even going to try because I know it won't turn out right. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. can people really start to turn that around so they start to live again? Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, that's a wonderful question. That is that's so helpful to come up with how to <laughs> and. Um, 
what comes to mind for me is, from, from my approach, I'm much more interested in cultivating things um, than I am in looking at why did I end up getting this way. <laughs> I'm much more interested in sort of looking forwards uh, and, and uh, cultivating the soil that I'm, that I'm in. Uh, you know, if I'm a plant, it's good to fertilize the soil. Um, and so I don't really know much about um, why people uh, find that they, they're waking up angry or waking up feeling powerless or whatever. But um, to get back to your question, I really think that doing some simple exercises can begin to make a difference. For example, I would encourage everyone to um, go ahead and just make a habit for the next 30 days of writing down three things that you appreciate about yourself. And you could just use, you start every sentence with something I appreciate about myself is, and then you could just finish the sentence. So I might write down, if I were doing three things, I might write down something I appreciate about myself is my loyalty to my friends. Something I appreciate about myself is my love for flowers. Something I appreciate about myself is my tenderness. And then the next day you can write down three more things. After, after 90 days, you're going to have, uh, after 30 days, you're going to have 90 things on your list that you appreciate about yourself. Now, appreciation can be the first step in the direction of gratitude. And what you can do next is you can look at the list and write down, um, or just, just be grateful for everything on the list. I'm grateful for my loyalty to friends. I'm grateful for my love of flowers. I'm grateful for my tenderness. For all 90 things, just be with those things. Um, just bring your attention to all of the things you're grateful for about yourself and about your life. And that can be so powerful. The gratitude can make such a difference in um, the direction you're facing. It can help pivot you away from the misery. And, you, and this is, we're talking to, with Elliot Robertson. This is from somebody who said he spent much of his early years not being happy and being uh, feeling jealous about what other people had and feeling bitter, and you found a way to pivot, and, and it worked for you. So you can you can teach and speak with conviction because you've tried it, and, and it's worked for you. It's not something you just read in a book or heard somebody else say. Now, why is it important to welcome the new and before you – answer that, I know you said you don't like to really get into a lot of why somebody is maybe unhappy right now, but to how what you you're more focused on the steps to shift out of that but we it's been it's been known it has been known as much as we might say we don't do it. They say humans really don't like change we we just we fight against it to the to the end. We just don't like it. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if it's because it makes us feel like we're out of control where change starts to happen. But if we don't allow change, then that that newness, that expansiveness is not going to occur. Why is it so important, Elliot, as we continue to advance, that we do welcome change and that we welcome the new? Yes, I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm glad you did bring up the resistance that so often comes forward when we think about changing or when we look around at our lives and we notice some change. It can bring up some fears. It can feel threatening. Uh, so I do appreciate that. Uh, the reason that I think uh, welcoming the new, one of the reasons that it's important is because it um, helps us to recognize possibilities and opportunities if we're not welcoming in the new, 
then we might be just not noticing what's possible for us. Um, that's really what I like to focus on is just um, being open to possibilities, brainstorming for possibilities, uh, just being um, willing to see a wide array of poss- more possibilities than you ever thought of before uh, that might be sitting in front of you right now for ways you can do things differently or uh, things you can try out. And when you notice those possibilities, if you're inspired to, if if you feel one of them calling out to you, then uh, you can go ahead and jump on that bandwagon or whatever, (laughs) jump on that possibility. Ah, very interesting. Now, you also advise that we say yes to what we know we want. If these things sound so simple, they really do, but for some reason we talk ourselves out of it. We talk ourselves out of accepting change. We tell ourselves if change occurs, it's, it's going to end badly for us. We don't want to welcome the new because we don't know how it's going to turn out. And saying yes to what we want, then you think, well, it's going to all end up bad anyway, so I'll just stop wanting that. But why? You also you do advise that we say yes to what we know, we absolutely know we want. And is there a way, though, to know that what we want is right for us? Are there some cues? Oh, um, well, you know, what I like to focus on as a starting point uh, before getting to our, before affirming uh, the and trying to get what what I want, I like to start with saying yes to just knowing what I want, because the way I look at uh, the human design, I think we are all born with um, joy in our heart, uh, even if we haven't contacted it, even if we're distracted by other things, and we're all caught up in the chaos and all the misery and stuff. I really do think we come into the world uh, with um, an undercurrent of joy in our heart, and we have our joy stays with us all the way till our dying day, and maybe even beyond. I think we have uh, light in our hearts, um, all sorts of divine qualities that we come with. And I also think we come to the world with an eagerness to love and be loved, and with an, with a, an eagerness to enjoy life fully, and an eagerness to serve people. So that's just what I, the way I see people and the way I see the good, the good side of human nature. We may also have shadows, but I really do think that we do have the light as well. So I'm really wanting to encourage everyone uh, as a starting point to bring your attention to those universal things and find out, just see if you can Feel into your heart and and listen to your heart and see if your heart is saying, I want to love and I want to be loved. See see what your heart is saying in terms of those deeper, more spiritual desires. That's a Mm. wonderful place to start. And then after that uh, has been established as your foundation, you may want to see what more specific, unique, individual things grow out of that. In your case, it might be, um, I want to be a wonderful mother, or it might be I want to just cook a wonderful meal for people and have show my love in that way. And in my case, sometimes it's I want to write a beautiful poem or I want to write a beautiful book, and that's my unique uh, gift to the world that sort of has its um, roots 
in that soil of acknowledging what is more universal. The, 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 I really think we all have that desire to, to love and to serve and to have joy and to do things we enjoy. So that's, that's sort of the, the soil for those roots. Now, can you share with us a few topics that you cover and say yes to life, seven keys to living full out from within? What are some of the topics that you cover in the book? Yeah, you know, it's a very simple book, and it's um, also very um, very different from most books. I think of it as being a book that you can read after a tough day at work. You can maybe sometimes you might like to take a bubble bath. It's like a bubble bath after a hard day of work. It's um, something that I'm hoping will be inspiring, that I'm hoping will just give you a chance to reflect and be with yourself and get a little booster shot and a little bit of upliftment. So it's not a how-to manual um, by any stretch of the imagination. It really doesn't give the recipe for happiness um, or any formula. Uh, but what's your question again? It's, um, what are the what, tips what I give? Of, what are some of the topics that you cover? If it's not like a how-to book, what are some of the topics that you do touch on in the book? Yes. Oh, okay. I appreciate that question. One of the things that I think is really important to um, to say yes to is our uniqueness. Um, so I do discuss say yes to your uniqueness. I already mentioned very briefly uh, how we all have unique gifts, how for some people cooking is a unique gift, and for me it's writing, and the list is endless. There are just so many gifts we come into the world with. Um, so just identifying what is your unique gift is a wonderful uh, support to um, saying yes to life in general and also saying yes to the unique uh, heart print. We all have unique fingerprints, and I think we also have unique heart prints or unique soul prints, and that's our uniqueness. Uh, and I just really think that we need to celebrate our uniqueness and um, be grateful for our uniqueness. And one way we can do that, just to bring it down to earth and to specifics, we can keep a gratitude journal that's really a spiritual gratitude journal. And we can say, thank you, God, for my um, unique uh, capacity to write. Thank you, God, for my um, – it can be unique and general. It can be uh, for my heart's capacity to love, for, my, for the way I enjoy life in my unique way. Uh, just really going for the gratitude of uh, of being unique can also be helpful. Ah, and so the uniqueness and then uh, your gratitude, and this is this is a book. So I, it, it sounds like as you read it, maybe more truths will open up to you as you're reading. Say yes to life. Seven keys to living full out from within. You touched on one of the keys. What are some of the other keys? The expansiveness, the the saying yes to the new. What are some of the other keys yes. that you, you touch on in the book? That's right. Um, you know, another one of the keys is say yes to grief. And uh, I know it's a book about happiness, but say yes to grief is very important if you want to cultivate inner harmony and happiness. Why? Why is this? Why is that important? Why is it saying yes to grief? important why is that well, important yeah um well the it's just important for us to experience and to feel all of our feelings it it really just clear the way for the um feeling to not just fester buried and repressed 
but to just flow through us and then it'll be ready to be let go and something else will show up. And throughout the day, we can just go through the dance of one feeling after another, each one being allowed to be exactly as it is without trying to get rid of it, um, without necessarily even trying to label it good or bad or even to identify what the feeling is, just feeling the feelings. And, you know, I like to use the analogy of a beach ball on the surface of a swimming pool. Uh, if it's sitting on the surface, you can see all of the different colors on the beach ball and all of the different feelings. <laughs> Each color is a different feeling. Now, if you push it down under the surface, it's not really visible there uh, so much anymore. And it's one unit. So if you decide, oh, I don't want to feel sad, for example, or I don't want to feel angry or whatever it is, you can just you push the uh, you repress the feelings. You push them down under the surface. You're not experiencing them or feeling them. You're rather numb. But when you push down the sadness, you're pushing down the entire beach ball, the entire unit, all of the feelings that are possible to be experienced, including the happiness and joy. So it really is important to let all the feelings uh, be experienced 110%. That is very that's a that's a good visual the way you describe that I, I appreciate uh, thank you for for sharing that visual so you try to and we do do a lot of repressing you try to hide something and some of us get really good at repressing that we even forget what it was we wanted to repress to start with I mean it's just you go deeper and deeper into that that lostness but so that are there any other keys that you can share with us that you just cover in the book. Yes, I'd be glad to share another key. And before I do so, I just want to point out that um, when you are pushing that beach ball down, it can get tiring. It can take a lot of energy. And that's energy that you need in your life for other things. I really do think that um, when you're repressing uh, your feelings, you're not really fully available to all of the life energy and life force that you might otherwise have available. Uh, what other keys are there? Um, one second while I think. Oh, that's right. One of my favorite keys, and this might be the last one. <laughs> one of my favorite keys is um, say yes to freedom from the past. Uh, yeah, that's a lovely one. One of the ways in which we can free ourselves from the past, and the one that I focus on most in the book, is saying, uh, saying yes to freedom from our self-images from the past. Mm. Saying yes to the beliefs we've had about who we are, about ourselves. Uh, for me, I used to think I was really socially inept. I used to think I was um, incompetent uh, in general across the board. Um, so those are, that was a big part of my self-image and a bunch of other things. And um, it's just wonderful to be able to just release all of those self-images, to just know that every morning when you wake up, you have a fresh canvas in front of you for um, adopting new beliefs about yourself, uh, of different beliefs, for letting go of the old beliefs and um, painting your self-image, your, your self-portrait with different colors and different textures. Give a, give a, please share just one tip. We know we want the listeners to buy the book, but just one tip on how we can. The grief was really, really good because I, I, if after you get older, you're going to eventually start having to deal with grief, whether it's a pet or a parent or a friend. 
but can you give just uh, one tip on just how can we let go of the past? I can tell you when I, when I look back over my life as you, you get older, you, we develop routines. We get up every morning around the same time. We do the same thing. You, it's, it could be amazing to people to see just how much you do that repeat, 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 repeat. Yes. How can we let go not only of the past but these old routines? You get yes. up, you mow the lawn the same time, you wear the same clothes every single week. How can we break out of these right. routines and let the past go? Yeah, I love that question. And I, my approach, I think perhaps the most um, – the speediest approach, way or well maybe it is gradual but um i think the perhaps the strongest way to approach this is to not really focus on those routines those habits that are negative not really focus on what you have been doing uh, that you want to get rid of but instead to just develop new habits and new um ways of looking at yourself a new self image we were talking about the beliefs we have uh, we, we we've been holding on to from the past about who we are and um, so that's another uh, – so basically uh, by cultivating new beliefs about who you really are uh, is one way to um, let go of the past and, and step free from those old limiting self-images and those old limiting beliefs that you've been carrying around for a long time. If you do the um, appreciation exercise that we did earlier, that might help you um, – think of new things that are really good and wonderful and not limiting. It might help you cultivate a new uh, set of beliefs about yourself by just appreciating three things about yourself every day and writing them down. Over time, if you do it consistently, then you're training yourself to look at yourself in a new way. It's not going to be like a magic wand if you just write a list one day and leave it at that. The important part of it is doing it for 30 days straight. Mm. 30 days takes about 30 days to uh, create a, a new habit. Now, you're also a workshop leader, and I just want to remind our listeners uh, that we've been we're talking with Elliot Robertson, and the title of the book where he was sharing these keys that he wrote is Say Yes to Life Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. And again, it's Elliot Robertson, and he's at elliotrobertsoncoach.com. Uh, I also want to. You're also a workshop leader. Can you tell us what what is what does a, like a certified and you you corrected me on the title, but a certified happiness workshop leader. What what do you do in these workshops? Are you like working with groups of people, not like so much psych a psychologist, but exactly what does the, you do? What do you do as a workshop leader? Well, actually, um, one of the <laughs> One of the um, things that you might do when you step into the workshop room is you'll hear some stories and some principles and uh, a little, you'll hear a little bit, just like I've been talking with you now, about how things work. Um, for example, you might get um, something about how happiness is going to be elusive if you chase it. So if you're mm -hmm. going to, if you want to have more happiness, you need to focus on inner harmony. And you can imagine an inner harmony tree, and it, ha it bears fruit, and the fruit is happiness. But it's not going to bear fruit if it's not healthy. So you've got to cultivate the inner harmony tree with fertilizers. 
And then um, I might suggest that one of the fertilizers can be appreciation. And then you might be paired up with somebody. And instead of writing down three things that you appreciate about yourself, you might have a chance to say to the, your partner, something I appreciate about myself is my love for cats. Something I appreciate about myself is my um, ability to spread joy you know, whatever comes to mind, then you get to be silent. The other, your partner gets a chance to also uh, verbalize things that uh, he or she appreciates about themselves. So, um, and then it goes on for the entire day with a little bit of speaking and explaining the value of the exercise <laughs> and then another exercise. Have you, have you had people who've Come at, first of all, how long do the workshops last? Are they just one day, or do they cover like three days or a week? So that first question. And second, have you had people who've come to the workshop and they have literally told you how much it has changed their life? I have been doing just the one-day version, and I have gotten amazing testimonials, yes. Wow. That, that, that must be, you talk about a, an immediate, direct, payoff for the work that you're doing to hear people tell you just how much it has benefited their life. I have to ask you this because I've heard when I listen to some motivational and other types of speakings, it's almost like some people think we're supposed I do believe that we really should be always feeling loved, peaceful, and joy. But in this world, our minds are like hijacked, so we it may not be possible. But do you think that it is our natural state? to always be in joy, do you think that that is our natural state when we really awaken, uh, yes or no? Yes, I think so. And I also um, want to just very quickly say something about how it's to not judge uh, anything, including there. I think we have a lot of different parts of ourselves, a lot of different voices in ourselves. And there may be a part of ourselves that is like, oh, I don't want to do this exercise right now I'm, and just resists spiritual growth, resists moving in the direction of more joy and just wants things to be exactly the way they are and stay the same. And that part of ourselves needs our total, honest, genuine, unconditional love. So I work with people to form a really unconditionally loving um, relationship with every part of yourself, including the part of you that resists growing and that resists all of this stuff we've been talking about. Mm, very, very, very interesting because, yeah, you know, you hear people say it's going to be two sides of us. We want to do one thing, but something's like, nah, come back, come back, back over here. And we've got to love everything about ourselves. We must. You were also asking me about um, the workshop testimonials and stuff, and I just want to add that I think the people who have given me, um, have told me about the positive results in their lives from the workshops are the people who have continued the workshop, so to speak, because uh, I do give homework exercises. And those who do the exercises for a few weeks afterwards, I think are the ones who get the most benefit. Ah, interesting. I've heard that said from people who write books. you got to do the exercises and keep the work going. That's, those are the ones who get the yeah, most if you just show If you just show up for a day or something, then you might go back to your old environment and you might just get swept back into the old patterns. 
Why is it important with just a few minutes left in today's show? Why is it important that we trust ourselves? Self-trust is one of the most important things uh, if you want to ever have a really increased level of happiness. And when I talk about happiness and increased level of happiness, I'm not talking about happiness because you've had a good experience, you know, you got a promotion. That's happiness for a good reason. And that's lovely. But the happiness that I'm always focused on is happiness for no reason. It's just that daily default level, the day-to-day level of happiness that you just go around with. Um, And that can definitely be increased a notch and then another notch and then another notch. That has been happening for me. Um, But why is self-trust important? That's a great question. And the answer is because when you have self-trust, you are cultivating inner harmony. Whenever you do anything that uh, cultivates self-trust, like being in integrity, being honest with people, that's going to up your level of self-trust. And whenever you do that, you're adding to the inner harmony, and happiness is the fruit of the inner harmony tree. So um, be sure to be in integrity and and, uh, give yourself a chance to notice that you're in integrity, and then you'll trust yourself to be in integrity some more. Be sure to tell the truth, and then you'll trust yourself to, oh, I'm an honest person, I tell the truth. Your self-trust will go up. Self-trust is a pillar for the inner harmony house. Now, you also offer meditations at your website, ElliotRobertsonCoach.com. What makes meditation work? Yeah, you know, I do call it meditations on the website, and what they really are, I need to change the website to make it more clear, I think. They really are um, guided visualizations. So you get to hear me um, leading you on a journey uh, through the forest, (laughs) and um, you get to... Um, at the end, it has affirmations, and so hopefully, uh, if you know, if you listen to it from time to time, it will help you um, with uh, your inner harmony. That's that's the design of them. That's the goal of those uh, guided visualizations is to go for the inner harmony. You do, you are approaching this from so many different angles, and I've just absolutely enjoyed having you here on Off the Shelf this morning. From the guided visualizations to the seven keys to your workshops, to your book. Uh, And I want to give our listeners the title of the book again and and encourage our listeners to go out and get a copy. Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. And anybody who's listened to you on Off the Shelf this morning can see you're not somebody who says do this uh, like it's very concrete, but really the best guide is is yourself, your, your one true self, is your best guide and then do, to do things to learn to trust that self and to always love yourself, the message uh, that you share. Again, the author, Elliot Robertson, author of the book, Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. Elliot, tell us about a few ways you found to introduce readers to your book to help get the word out about Say Yes to Life, Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. Yes, I would love it if everyone goes to www.sayyestolifebook.com and there's a free gift waiting for you there, a guided visualization, and a couple of other things that come along with it in the package of of the free gifts. That's www.sayyestolifebook.com. So go ahead and go there and then ask your friends to go there and pick up their free gift. Okay, awesome. Say yes to – what's the – Tell, say it one more time. Please. One more time. Say yes. Say, yeah, say yes to life book dot com. 
Say Yes to Lifebook.com. Off the shelf listeners, you can go over there and get a free gift and also get a copy of the Say Yes to Life book. And if you came in midstream, you can go back when the show finishes archive and listen to it in entirety. Share it with your friends, people who you think just might benefit. This is such an easy awakening, the uh, uh, Elliot Robertson's approach. Uh, and it could be somebody who might be, they could benefit in ways that words can't put to it. It could just get them started and bring them out of like, see somebody sinking in quicksand. It could help to literally help to start to lift them out of that quicksand. If you're on any social networks, Elliot, please tell our off-the-shelf listeners where they can find you at social media. Yes, for sure. Oh, oh, um, you know what? I think it's best to just go to that particular website I gave, sayyestolifebook.com. I think that's best. Sayyestolifebook.com, and you can see where Elliot is online. He also is at Elliot Elliot Robertson Coach. Dot com and I I would just imagine that you are a very good coach, not somebody who's like authoritarian, but you really trust that each individual there's something in us that knows the way. And again, we've had the just the honor of speaking with Elliot Robertson. He's the author of Say Yes to Life: Seven Keys to Living Full Out from Within. He's offering a book to uh, off the shelf listeners. If you go to Say Yes to Life Book dot com, you get a free gift from Elliot and also encourage you to pick up a copy of his book. And I just, I don't normally do this, but I want to close with the, uh, the the quote started with from Og Mandino, failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for tuning in to Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio this morning. Please come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time, where we'll have another awesome guest uh, for you, and we were just so blessed with the people who come on the show, like Elliot Robertson, and what they shared is all free for you, our listeners. Elliot, thank you so much. You shared so much, so much, which I, I know will bless so many, so I want to thank you for that as well. To our listeners, remember, you are awesome. You truly, truly are. You're incredible. You are amazing. You're so much more than you've ever imagined. Please go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Elliot, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.